Our passion didn't start with a mouth. It started with people, with the well-being of the profession. And if you're like me, maybe a little bit of your nerdiness and all things tech too. We all want to love what we do, but the truth is burnout, people problems, and glass ceilings can keep us from doing what we set out to do. So let's get back to the heart of connection. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. This show is about passing you the knowledge, the habits, the systems, and the strategies to lead your teams, lean on your tech, and listen to your gut while you take care of people and truly the overall health of our communities. Let's stop using the wrong end of the toothbrush, y'all. My name is Dr. Kelly Tanner. Oh, and uniquely, I'm a dental hygienist too. You can consider me a guru in the dental and leadership industry. With over three decades of experience, my goal is to take you to the next level by empowering growth, perspective, and confidence. By identifying the gaps, recognizing the plaque, and extracting the truth with the other experts in the field. I'll share their stories, empower you to own yours, and elevate your passion in the process. So have a seat in the chair, put on your bib, and let's get to work. Welcome to the Dental Handoff. I am Dr. Kelly Tanner. Tonight, I have the Dr. Ashley Clark with me, the gorgeous one and only pathology expert of everything. I met you, Ashley, at FDA. In person is where we met at FDA. But I've known about you for long before that. Well, likewise, because we have mutual friends that just were like, you've got to when you go in the same room, you've got to catch up. So I'm so excited. They were right. Yes, I know. Yes. I was like, yes, synergy. So Ashley, you have done amazing things in your career. And I always start with the question, why dentistry? Or why did you choose it? Or why did you choose you? I chose it. So <laughs> Dr. Tanner, how honest are we being here? <laughs> honest. Only honest. Only honest. All right. So there are a multitude of reasons. Um, the one that I would give at the dental interview, which is all, these are all true is, you know, I was shadowing physicians and dentists and all of them said do dentistry. And I figured they must know something more than I do. So that was one thing that sort of kicked me there. Uh, number two, I didn't know if I ever wanted to like start a family, but I wanted to leave that as an option for me. And I thought, you know, I don't have to do a residency if I go to dental school, but I do for sure. Like I'm locking it in if I go to med school and I know how much I cherish sleep. So I would, I knew I would want to like defer children until after residency. Of course, fast forward, I went to a residency anyway and had children after residency. Um, And then if you want me to be really honest, there were physics on the MCAT and not on the DAT. And I was like, that seals the deal. So I don't have to study for physics for this. I believe in that. That's a really good reason to make a huge life decision, right? But it kind of, it kind of is because you're, I mean, if you're thinking that that's the direction it's testing and you need to be good at it, why go towards that if you want to avoid it? That's a good, I, I don't know. I, I sort of feel like, cause I, I've served on dental admissions committee and I didn't really care about the DAT score between me and you and whoever listens. Um, it is a good marker for like how you're performing that day. But I much more cared about how you did academically in balancing any activities. Like if you had a 4.0 and no activities, I was like, that. I, I feel like 
the activity is going to be the blank space that fills the void that you're going to need to study in dental school. So I was looking for more of a well-rounded um, applicant. And that one particular score didn't mean that much to me. I don't know. I'm going off on a tangent here. But um, yeah, I didn't want to study for the physics portion. So All right. And then so you said, I, I'm going to go to school. And then you were done. Did you practice dentistry for a while? Or what was your? No. No, not even. I mean, I so I got into dental school and first year I had this panic like, what have I done going to dental school and not medical school? Because I can do the tests, I can do the academic stuff. But when it comes to the artistry, my brain can't make my hands do it. And I would practice and I would go to my professors, and it just was not, not there for me. Um, you know, I wasn't the worst probably, but I wasn't good. But then I, you know, went to second year and I took my very first oral path class and I, I've never had this like aha moment, like, oh, that's all of this has come together. This is why I'm here. Like I'm getting chills right now. Like this is why I'm here. This is my career. And I went up to one of my professors, Dr. Nadim Islam. And I said, I want to do what you do. I didn't even know this was an option. Teach me how to do it. And he said, go to clinics for a year. When you're done, come back to me because I guarantee that you'll want to be a dentist after you've been around patients and you're out of this rigorous academic lab cycle. And the very, like 366 days later, I was at his door. Like, how do I do what you do? Um, and I work with uh, Dr. Steve Haug, who is an oral maxillofacial prosthodontist. I, I'm on a tumor board with him right now, and he's fabulous. Um, but he would joke around with me, you know, at the tumor board, like, thank goodness you figured it out. Like, this wasn't for you, and you found something that was for you. Wow. So you, it's funny that, I wonder how many students, the original pathologist that you went to, I wonder how many students went to him previously and said, I want to do what you do. And then so he said he had kind of like a canned answer of go back, go back in the clinic, make sure that's what you want to do. I wonder how many of those students there were. So for him, he was a first year teacher. So at the time, zero, <laughs> I was the first one. But I will say, I don't know of anyone at Indiana University that has gone into oral pathology in the past several decades, which is a real shame because Indiana used to be one of the two powerhouses of oral pathology. We have so many famous oral pathologists that are right here in Indianapolis. And, you know, I bought my private practice from one of them. So it's such a, a rich environment for those who want to go into pathology. But it's it's a very, it's a field where, you know, I sort of ended up in dentistry and I could have ended up a general dentist. You don't do that with path. Like you don't just end up there. You have to actively go seek it out and you have to really enjoy what you're doing to be an oral pathologist, especially because my situation is very unusual. I would say 90% of us work in academic institutions. And I did too for the past decade. But, you know, we don't really get to live where we want to live. And because we have to live where a school is, and there's maybe one job opening in the country whenever, you know, per, like right now, there's probably two open in the entire country. Wow. And so 15 residents are vying for those two spots. 
So if you get a job, you're taking it. If it's in the middle of nowhere and you want to live in a city or if it's in the city and you'd rather live in the middle of nowhere, it's it's really difficult in those aspects. And uh, paying back your loans without public service loan forgiveness is going to be difficult. So I, I do worry a little bit about the future of our profession. We didn't, You didn't ask me to go this deep. You asked if Dr. Islam had had an answer for anyone going no, to the No, this path. is what the show is about. Um, it's about your story. But I'm, you know, I'm on a task force for our, you know, um, it's called the American Academy of Oral Maxillofacial Pathologists. So I, sh- I should say our academy. On a, I'm on a task force of how do we get students more interested because this profession has real need. But I don't really know the answer to that because if you don't love it, I wouldn't recommend doing it. So what made you fall in love with it? Other than you knew, so you went to him for a reason. You're like, why? Yeah. It's like you met your love. You're like your love at first sight, almost, it yeah. sounds like. So there's something. So I find all of it fascinating. I think it's so interesting what we do. Um, it's sort of like these puzzles that we figure out. Like here are the presenting symptoms. How can we make this person get out of pain? But more um appropriately, I guess, here are all these blue cells. What stains do we need to run to figure out what's going on? Um, So it's really challenging and fascinating to me. But I would say for me personally, again, we're we're being honest here, right? Um, And if I'm being honest with myself, I love teaching because I get to be the center of attention. Like everyone's looking at me and I get to tell however many corny jokes I want. And then... I make the audience, I'm like, listen, guys, you need to laugh at me or else it's going to last a long time. Like it's, so I love that aspect of it. And I love the, I love teaching, not just because of the center of attention thing. That's kind of a joke, but you know, one of my uh, friends who attended one of my courses said, Hey, I need to do this for this thing. You just diagnosed. Right. And I was like, exactly right. And he goes, thank you. I learned something. And that makes my heart happy. Um, I, I feel like I want to be a public servant at all costs. And so if we educate dentists to catch leukoplakia early, then we improve lives of the public. So that makes me happy. Um, yeah. And also I just, you know, I, I like being, I like knowing like everything about the one thing. So rather than knowing 90% of this much, I like knowing 99% of this much. So I like that too. That, that makes perfect sense. I mean, that's why they call it a specialty, right? We're, we're going to be honest here though, right? Like that's, how that's what it's about. <laughs> I mean, I don't, that's people come to hear your story and that's why it was compelling to me of, uh, I had never met, of course I knew John Saversky from when I taught at BCU he hates being center of attention. Oh, yeah. John, he can't <laughs> stand people looking at him or laughing at him. Oh, yeah. No, he hates he hates telling jokes to a captive audience. <laughs> we have nothing in common, John and I. So I got to meet him there. And I was thinking, wow, what a wild career that he has. He gets to work at an institution of, you know, at VCU yeah. and he gets to do this. How do you even do that? So even when I was a baby hygienist teaching in a dental school, I got, I was thinking, how come they get to do this and how do they even learn how to do this? So it sounds like actually you were, and you said you had your own practice for a little while. So let's see, I graduated University of Florida. So I went to Indiana for undergrad and then I went to UF 
And I, uh, my program director was in the last graduating class of Chuck Tomich, who is a really famous oral pathologist, very well respected. And he's like my, like my grandpa. I hope he wouldn't mind me saying, I just saw him today. Um, he came into the uh, lab and looked at cases with me, but so I graduated from UF and then I got a job at West Virginia university and worked there. Then I got a job at University of Texas at Houston, worked there for the majority of my career so far. Then I got a job at University of Kentucky. And had I stayed in academics, I was interested in sort of climbing the admin ladder, Mm -hmm. which is something that some pathologists do and some don't. Um, So I was the interim associate dean uh, for academic affairs there. Um, I was the division head of oral pathology. And Dr. Don John Summerlin, who is one of the best, if not the best oral pathologist in the world, asked me, are you interested in coming and joining me in my lab? And I was like, when do I sign? So um, I moved to Indianapolis in December of 2022. And I've been, he's been a consultant, but I've been the only pathologist there since January. So I've been in private practice for not even a year yet. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's really unusual for us to be in private practice, but it's nice because I, as you know, I like doing CE courses. So I don't have to worry about, can I do this course this day because I have other obligations to the institution? Because if I'm employed by the institution, that's got to come first. And now I can say, all right, I will get my cases done Friday morning and then I'll fly out Friday night and go do this course. So it's nice that I can can do that in private practice and really do everything I love to do. And you get to, I mean, what I always thought as a hygienist, because I just thought how cool it was that I could send cells out to a, a pathologist somewhere. It was telehealth really back then, back when we could yeah. just we could take this little look like a toilet bowl brush, brush biopsy or whatever <laughs> yeah. bowl brush and send it off. And I'm thinking, this is cool. Like how do, how do they do this? Of course, you know how you do it. But for me, I would feel like I needed to know everything about the patient and needed more information. I was talking about like in the early days when they started doing that and you would send it off on this, this envelope and thought how awesome was with that career path to be, because you get to, you get to change lives and save lives. It's so that part is very fulfilling. Like I said, the public service aspect of it, like having someone in, even not saving a life, but having someone coming in, coming in who's miserable, um, like with the Rosa Black Implantis and knowing exactly how to treat them to get them out of pain, like that's very fulfilling. Um, and and like I said, the the education aspect where if we can start catching leukoplakia early and cutting it out and reducing oral cancer rates, that's exciting. It's also um, more pressure than I would like, uh, when I'm signing out cases, because if I don't get it right, everything falls apart. Um, because the treatment is based on what I say. So if I say there's no cancer, they don't get treatment. If I say there is, they get a very significant treatment. So it's super important that I get it right. Um, which is, it's one of the reasons why, um, I wanted to come to this practice because I'll see, uh, I think I'm probably the third or fourth largest lab in the country. So I'll see all of those cases. And the more cases you see, I mean, I've seen stuff this year that 
I've never seen before. Really? Ever. Um, just the more cases you see, the the better you are at it, obviously. Yeah. And what it what are some of the wildest things that you've seen this year that have come up for you? Let's see. Let's start with benign things. So I saw something in the sinus that looked like an ameloblastoma, but it had keratin and it had pigment and it was making swirls like a glandular odontogenic cyst does. And I was like, and all of those are treated very different ways. I'm like, I don't know what this is. So I sent it to three or four people and they said, I also do not know what this is. And then, um, which it makes you feel good. Like, okay, the, who you, who I consider the best in the world also, are like, eh, I've never seen this before. So that, you know, gives you some assurance that they weren't like, it's obviously this. Um, but that one ended up being treated with just a simple resection and, um, the patient's going to be fine. But really the hard cases are when I know it's something malignant and I don't know what it is. Um, I'll give an example. I had a case of a small blue cell tumor and it wasn't really producing bone. Uh, it was a little bit by the periphery, but that could have just been normal bone in the area. Um, and I sent it to five or six different people, got five or six different answers. And I, I, but I just had this sinking feeling. It was an osteosarcoma, even though it wasn't really producing bone. So I sent to my osteosarcoma expert and they didn't know what it was. Um, and finally they ended up running this um, genetic fusion panel and sure enough, it had a hit and they ended up calling it high-grade osteosarc. But those aren't really fun to talk about, right? Because that's not good for the patient. Um, I I do remember going into residency and everyone was so excited about this really rare malignancy. And I was so off, like that was very off-putting to me. And, you know, fast forward a decade later and I, I get the same thing like, oh, this is so exciting. But, um, no, it's not because that means that the patient is going to have to have chemo and surgery. And it's so I like talking about the benign. Yes. Thing. So I saw a very bizarre benign thing. Can I interrupt myself? For yes. One second? Yes. Okay. So I didn't mention in your cash. I am a mom. This is my son, Cassius. Hi, Cassius. This is Dr. Tanner. Dr. Tanner um, is a dental hygienist and PhD. And she's talking to me about uh, what I do. Do you know what I do? No. Okay. She's um, a great mom though. Yeah. Um, what do you want to be when you grow up? What do you want to be? Uh, an astronaut. Astronaut. Good. All right. Okay. Go back to dad. Well, thank because we're we're still talking. But thanks for coming to say hi. Do you want me to give you a big kiss with my lipstick on? Yeah, I think you okay, should. I, I think you should. <laughs> I was going to. Bye, bye, guys. My boys will always say, "Is that the kind that comes off?" <laughs> <laughs> bye. Thank you for indulging. Oh my gosh, yeah. I mean, it, it's what. So the real truth that Dr. Tanner and I discussed earlier is that my son wanted to see himself on YouTube. Yes. Which you can cut all that if you want to. It's no problem. <laughs> That's okay. So no, I mean, it's important that he sees himself on YouTube. 
uh, you got to support our children and where they are. And you know, that's what this whole show is about, right? It's leadership. Well, mostly I just want him to know that his mom is very cool. Oh, well, I mean, we knew that before you came. <laughs> yeah, I'm not so sure that I've got him convinced. But. <laughs> well, I mean, I think that's the case until we get older. We're like, wow, what did our parents actually do when we were growing up? How did they do all yeah. that? <laughs> that's true. <laughs> right? So true. It's like, who cleaned the yeah. trash cans when... I- <laughs> Just random things that you do. It just I still wonder that in our house. Yeah. I, I don't know. A fairy shows up? I don't know. I don't get it. Yeah. <laughs> it's my husband. Yeah, it's um well it's 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 quite a it it's a balance to say the least to be a mom and do all the things that you're doing and to travel and be a speaker and you you have to have support. So the support is this frequency that extends throughout, not just what you're giving him, but also what your husband gives back. Cause I know he travels with you too sometimes, doesn't he? Yeah. So I will say I could not without, I'm not like placating him if he, he was not going to watch this anyway, but I could not do with I, what I do without him. So he was a musician. Well, he is a musician, but he was doing that for a living when we met um, he opened up for Dave Matthews, what? which he tells me to stop telling people. I know he's really good. Um, but when we had kids, he was like, I don't want to do rehearsals anymore because they're nights and weekends. I want to be with my kids on nights and weekends. So he really gave it up to be a stay at home dad. And you'll love this. So he came to me when we were living in Texas and he said, I want a job that if we travel again, cause I, we had already moved three times by then. Um, And he said, I want a job that's going to travel. So I'm going to go be a dental hygienist. Like he thought about it and he's got hand skills um, with the guitar playing. Um, He is very smart. um, And he knew that's a job that could travel. So he went back. He'd never gone to college. And so when he was 40 years old, he went back to school, got his associate's degree and got all of his prereqs to go to dental hygiene school. And then I moved him to Kentucky. <laughs> so now he he is a courier for the lab, actually. So um, in private practice, what I'll do is I on the north side of the city, I have like a handful of contributors and I'll go pick up their specimens if they're close. And then on this other side of the city, my husband will drive and, and pick them up. So he works, he work, he works for me. That's at, at home and with the lab takes care of the kids when I'm gone. Um, I try to bring him with me as much as I can. Um, we are going to on a trip in two weeks, um, where my parents, they like, they don't live close. So they like to take the kids for a fall break to a week long vacation. So my husband's coming with me. So it's really nice. And then we took our kids to Florida. Dental yeah. convention. I, I remember where you guys kind of got where you had a great time. And I think you guys got stuck coming back or something like that. We got stuck on the way yep. in. I was on two hours of sleep when I saw yeah, you. Yeah, that's the that's the travel that's the travel fun that people when they go into the speaking world they they just don't until you go through it and you experience it. It seems like speaking and all that is like you're in the limelight. You're living this crazy awesome life and it's Hollywood life, but there's a lot that goes on in the background to make it appear that way to keep your appearances right. It, it is. I mean, I, I would argue like I, I love it. I think it's awesome. Like I, I get this natural high talking and teaching to people, you know, but 
you know, when I was in Texas, my plane diverted to Dallas. I had to rent a car and drive to Dallas in the middle of the night or drive to Austin in the middle of the night. I've had flights canceled where I couldn't stay in where I'd been at the airport all day. I hadn't showered in like four days because there was nowhere to shower. Like it's, it's not like, you know, I've stayed at some hotels. Yeah. <laughs> we'll just put it yeah. That way. And you're fortunate too, if you're, if you get kind of in a situation where you're not sure if you're going to catch your next flight, if you can go ahead and book that hotel before you get stranded in the airport for four days. <laughs> because everyone else is booking a hotel yes. around you. Yeah. That's why on the, yeah. on the runway, I'm like pulling up my internet <laughs> just as soon as I can to yeah. go, okay, what's available around me. But, um, so in your time doing doing what you love, kind of leading you from one passion into the other, because it, it sounds like now you're 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 getting to dabble in both. You're getting to still teach, you're getting to research, you're getting to study and improve and learn new things with new conditions you're finding. And it also sounds like that you're evolving as a person as well with your self-awareness as to what is actually feeding you and making you happy from a couple of different directions. Yeah. So what, there's some people who would, who would on the other side of it say, I don't know that I should do that. I don't know if, if I I could do both. I think that I, one would detract or distract from the other. I, I think you probably met folks like that. So what would you tell them or how would you approach that? So there are many different ways to make oral pathology work if you're interested in the field. Um, one of my friends does general dentistry and owns a lab because she likes general dentistry. One of my friends hates public speaking and basically only does it if forced to. Um, one of my friends has a PhD and really loves researching Sjogren syndrome. I do not enjoy writing academic papers and I am not going to do it anymore because I don't have to, because I'm not in academia. So whatever, portion of it. you Oh, I have one friend. Um, we talked about Dr. Briody, who's going to be speaking at the ADA this year. Um, she is really good at clinical oral pathology. So she sees a lot of patients clinically. And I don't particularly care to see patients clinically. Uh, I do in my tumor board, but I'm not the person treating treating them. So there's all these different facets of oral pathology. And really what fills my cup is the teaching and did I have that? Have I said feels my cup twice now? Because that's a phrase I've never said in my life. And I think I've said it twice now. But my favorite things to do, what makes me really happy are signing out cases and doing CE. And so really when I was in academia, teaching and CE are equivalent, right? But I was doing sort of all the other things so I could get to sign out cases and get to teach. And being in private practice has afforded me to just focus all of my attention on the stuff I like to do. Um, but I will say, I don't think private practice is for most people. I think most people should be in schools um, because there's a lot of talent in oral path and teaching and the the dental students are going to benefit from that. Um, and also, you most of us are not like... Um, I don't know. I, I I guess I don't want to categorize a whole group of people by general generalizing them, but I would say most of the pathologists do enjoy the research part and do enjoy the scholarly 
uh, part of working in academic institutions. Yeah. And especially with the with some of the cases that you were noticing that popped up this year, too, I could see that as an opportunity to yeah, let's do some genetic tests. On yeah, them. and then publish that, right? Because it's something and then, that yeah. you found that you said, okay, I have validated this with all of these scientists and physicians and whoever the specialist. This is where we came back. This is what we found. This is unique. Then yeah. other people, it informs the data, and so other people treat yeah. it, and and so. Yeah. So when I went in the literature, I had no clue like what I was doing or what I was looking for. So if someone were to to publish that, it would have helped me. So whatever you enjoy doing, if, um, you know, there are so many pathologists that hate public speaking and it shocks me because most of us have to do it. Either we're teaching or we're, you know, doing CE or whatever. Um, but there's some of us that hate it. So they just don't do it that often. Um, so I would say if you're interested in oral pathology, the number you can't not be interested in microscopy. You've got to want to do the microscope or else there's no point in being a pathologist. Um, clinical oral medicine would be a better route for someone like that uh, because they would have the exact same other opportunities without the microscopy. So the only really prerequisite is you have to really enjoy looking under the microscope. Yeah. And so how did, Ashley, did you go from doing what you're doing to going to be, you know, because teaching in a classroom is different than being a CE teacher, right? It's, it's a sure. whole yeah. different energy set. Yeah. It's a different level of, of, you know, in it's a balance because in dental school, they know nothing about oral path. Uh, I, you know, I remember I was thinking like, how is this an entire semester? How can there be that much that goes wrong in the mouth? That's what I remember thinking. So that's how little I knew. Um, but when you get out into teaching dentists and hygienists and even dental assistants, there's a level of knowledge there that you have to, you know, know exists. So you don't start explaining what the ventral versus dorsal side of the tongue is. Um, but also sometimes there's periodontists in the, in the office. Sometimes there's oral surgeons in the audience. Sometimes they're mixed in with dental assistants who haven't had as much pathology training. So it's a delicate balance there. And I treat it more as a differential diagnosis when I'm doing CE rather than here's a list of white entities. Here's a, you know what I mean? Like here's some ulcers. Let's talk about ulcers for a bit. So the other thing um, is no one teaches you how to teach when you go into working in a school, really. So that was one thing I was very grateful for at University of Texas. If you wanted to, they sponsored you and paid for it. So I actually have an 18-month certificate program in health education. So how to teach doctors. So that has helped tremendously, like with PowerPoint um, construction. You know, I'll walk by some people giving lectures and they're Fonts really tiny, and I'm like, oh, if you would just make your font bigger, it'd be so much yeah. better. And then I've asked people like Dr. Mark Hyman to sit in my audience when I was giving like an hour lecture because I didn't want to torture him, and say, hey, would you mind taking notes for me and telling me what's working, what could use some improvement? So I've really called on people like him um, as well. So just beware at Chicago Midwinter. If you're in my audience, you'll be taking notes and giving <laughs> them to me. I want to be in your audience. I want to go. <laughs> I'm going. <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's just such a change up. And then it's it's so important too to surround yourself with people who will tell you the truth, who will say, 
hey, next time you do this, you probably want to think about da 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 because that's how we all improve in every area of our life because many of us are kind of fearful that we're going to clam up. But the beauty of it is, is that when you go and you do, you prove to yourself that you can do that and you're going through it and you're like, okay, I just did that. Well, that was kind of stinking cool. And then, you you know. So let me ask you this. I was thinking about this this morning. So you were the keynote. Now I know I'm interviewing, you now. Um, So you were the keynote at Florida Dental Association. And I was just thinking, I could never do that. What would I even talk about? So how did you prepare for that? Oh my gosh. Um, it was, it was a lot of questioning myself. No, <laughs> it was fantastic. Well, thank you. It's, um, You're welcome. it was on un- subconscious bias. It was what do I think that the audience wants to know? So you're truly, I think when you're in front of any type of audience is you're teaching to that audience and you're not just up there to talk about what you want to talk about. And so it's like, okay, what could these people truly benefit from on a day-to-day basis? And so I started to structure everything that I knew about the concept and then brought it into, there's a, there's kind of like a formula in my head because I've gone to other speaker training stuff over the last 25 years I've been doing this. And so I took like little pieces, parts of it and I cobbled it together. And I was like, that's it. That's it. And then of course, you know, you're opening your opener. You got to catch them. Everybody's there. Every, Everybody's going to be yeah, there. And you know, from your opening statement on, on the stage is you got to catch everyone's attention. And so getting that and yeah. perfecting that was probably that and your closing are probably the hardest things. Yeah. Well, yeah. Anyone that gives a plenary or however you pronounce it, a yeah. So that has to be universally interesting to everyone because everyone's going to be there, but you're also thinking about stuff that you wouldn't th- like, what shoes are you going to wear? Um, you know, there's like a whole different episode. There's like, you got to get your hair done in the right cadence of things. You have to make sure your shoes are broken in that you have tested the outfit that you're going to wear. I mean, and and females are different than males in that regard, because for men, you you put on a suit. I don't know. Well, you put on a suit, (laughs) you know? Like for me, I have sleeveless dresses. Is should I wear that with a, a blazer or is it okay without a blazer? Do I wear heels this big or this big? This is very uninteresting to anyone else. It but, is not. It is totally but, you, but ev- everything is is curated down to like I've thought about everything. So, except for I always end up wearing these pants without pockets, which is stupid because I can't put my, oh my I wear I wear a dress without a belt. <laughs> so, you know, yeah. I, I have to. I did to the Kentucky Dental Association, so I just walked around with this thing in my hand. I was like, okay, we're gonna get really up close and personal. Let's do this. Hi, my name is Kelly. Yes, <laughs> let's just put yeah. it put it down the back. Of- oh, that's a really good idea. See, learning every day. That's that's what I'll do next. Yes, time. we need like this whole group of you know. Hi, my name is Kelly. I've worn the mic down the back of my dress before. <laughs> yes. Conversation. Whatever. Yeah, works. but we need like real talk speaker prep because it's all a real thing. And I feel like if you, if you're prepared, if you know how to improve, if you know how to ask for formative feedback in any area of your life, it's just, you're just going to get value from it and you feel more confident the next time. You know, what's funny is I actually asked, 
I went to University of Evansville, which is a small private college in Southern Indiana. And it's really known for its theater. It's like the top three theater school in the country, one, two, or three. So I asked one of my friends who was in the theater department to, you know, not on the content. I know what the content is, but hey, can you watch this and critique the delivery? So I just think even thinking outside the box like that, like just trying to make yourself a little bit better. um, Here's how the audience, and you're so right. I really do think about what does the audience want to know here? Mm -hmm. So with pathology, I don't show histopathology. That's interesting to me. I don't know that that's interesting to most people. You need like level two and 300 classes, Ashley, is what you need. I mean, what most people want to know is if I see this, what do I do? And so that's, I really try to, I don't give any details. I just say, if you see this, do this. So, and I think that people, the feedback I've gotten is people are very appreciative of the daily grind. You know, I'm out in the real world treating real patients. So tell me what to do, (laughs) you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's got, it's got to be relevant and valuable to them because they want to take it and apply it the next day and say, Oh, because it seems like that the more that you're aware of it, the more you start recognizing, Oh man, I've been looking at this the whole time. Yeah. It's, it's, it's amazing work that you're doing. And I love the fact with your servant heart that you're going out and you're sharing and you're collaborating still interprofessionally, which is such a, it's such an important part of what we do as healthcare providers, because when we think that we have it all figured out, that's when it tanks and nobody's doing anybody any, any favors. Yeah. I mean, it is for someone like me and my husband will attest to this. I do not like to receive criticism, (laughs) but when, when you're, when you're doing dentistry, when you're doing dental hygiene, when you're doing anything, teaching, giving CE courses, you've got to be able to go to someone you trust and you know, has your best interest at heart and say, what what should I keep doing and what what can be better? Because how else are you going to improve? And no one is perfect and everyone can improve. Absolutely. Well, Ashley, I have enjoyed meeting meeting you here and you know, met you in person. Yeah. And I look forward to hugging your neck when I see you again. I yeah. know that you're how people can contact you or in the show notes. Um are, are there any upcoming meetings that you're going to be at that people can enjoy? Oh, sure. We will be at Mid Continent. Yes, we will. Uh, in St. Louis, Missouri at the end of the month. So you can come see both of us then. Um, and then I have several Concord um, seminars coming up. Do you, if you don't work with Concord, Dr. Tanner, I'm going to give them your name um, if you're interested. Yeah. And let's see, what else do I have coming? I have mostly like lectures for my contributors coming up, but I'll be at Chicago Midwinter. Um, it'll be fun. I'm doing Oregon. Uh, Dental Association, AGD there. So it'll be fun. Yes. Well, thank you so much for being our guest. It was nice to have a cameo spot with your, with your little man. I'm I'm happy to have met him. (laughs) Who totally froze up in front of the camera? Well, he wants to be an astronaut, mom. I mean, I love that. I've never heard that before. That is great. And I don't know why I'm here (laughs) like this, but that's okay. That's that's it. That was his A game, right? 
We we love what we we a shy little man. We He's love so it. Sweet, but everyone, thank you so much for joining us, Ashley. Thank you so much for being on, and for everyone, all of our all of our listeners, our followers. If you you know, I always ask a favor of you. It's to go on to Apple, give us a five star rating. Ash, tell them five stars. Five stars. And then um, after that, go on to YouTube, like, share, subscribe, and give the gift of sharing with someone else as well. Thank you, everyone, for all that you do on the daily to take care of our patients and our communities. We'll see you next time. See you. Thanks so much for having me, Dr. Thank Tanner. you. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.